I am Amanda Billick. I am the Senior Public Policy Director with the Minnesota Corn Growers Association. There are, of course, plenty of bumps. There's always going to be ups and downs. There are good days. There are bad days. You really have to get yourself positioned and to feel comfortable and expecting that you are going to hear no. This is Engage, a series for women in agribusiness from the Red River Farm Network. The series highlights leadership and career successes of women in agriculture. This podcast is brought to you by Ag Country Farm Credit Services, Carteva AgriScience, and the North Dakota Grain Growers Association. Now, here's your host, Kara Hart. Welcome to Engage, a series for women in agribusiness. Today, we're visiting with Minnesota Corn Growers Association's Amanda Billick. Amanda, thanks for taking time to visit today. We're talking about your career working in ag policy. To get us started here, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit of background. How did you get connected with uh, Minnesota Corn? Sure. Well, I grew up um, in central Minnesota. Uh, my parents um, operate a small uh, livestock and crop farm uh, in Wadena County. I graduated from Staples Motley High School, uh, so spent, you know, of course, my formative years uh, in greater Minnesota. Prior to working for Minnesota Corn, so I've been here a little bit over two years, uh, but prior to that, for about 15 years, I worked for a couple different um, associations or organizations uh, working on a variety of policy areas really focused in the areas around energy uh, and agriculture policy. Prior to joining the corn growers for nine years, I was the state government affairs director for a nonprofit based in Minneapolis, uh, working on a variety of energy policy areas. And I have kind of throughout my career always had a thread that has included biofuels um, and other kinds of ag-based energy. And when the position became available um, at the corn growers for the public policy director, I was interested um, because I really wanted to sort of get back into working agriculture full-time um, and knew that I brought a little bit of background on and expertise on the energy side, uh, but then also really wanted to get into flexing my skills on public policy development, engagement, and working with an association and working directly with farmers. So when you work in uh, politics uh, as a lobbyist, for example, is it still a very male-dominated type career path? It, it has been. I would say that I have noticed uh, that there are more and more women all the time uh, at the state capitol or in Washington um, lobbying for various interests. Um, and But I, even though it has been male-dominated, I do see kind of that shift happening, and there are more and more women sort of working in all the time, and actually there are more and more women working um, in agriculture-based policy positions. For example, at National Corn Growers, we have several of the policy staff that are, are women, and our vice president for public policy, uh, Brooke Appleton, is a woman um, and a uh, farm girl from Missouri. Uh, and then also in Minnesota, um, with the Minnesota Farm Bureau, uh, you have two uh, women working in public policy uh, on that team uh, as well. Uh, it can take tough skin to work as a lobbyist. What, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to develop some thick skin? Well, I think that the most important, one of the most important things is that you have to really um, understand that this is not personal and you have to be ready to hear no um, a lot uh, because as you are, whether you are advocating for agriculture or when I was advocating for energy policy positions, 
you're always trying to sort of connect and build that relationship with a lawmaker, uh, and then also to provide the right information uh, to help make the help them make an informed decision and an informed choice. But going through that process, there are of course plenty of bumps. There's always going to be ups and downs. There are good days. There are bad days. Um, on a whole, usually the good days definitely outweigh the bad days. But you really have to. Um, get yourself uh, in a position and to feel comfortable and expecting that you are going to hear no. Um, and uh, it just it just takes some time uh, to sort of do that. And the more that you uh, do that and you're having those meetings, um, the more comfortable you're going to feel with it. Um, and then the other piece of it, too, is especially um, in the Minnesota legislature, you know, over the course of session, uh, things get, especially when it gets down to the last couple of weeks or when it's around like deadline time, because in Minnesota, our legislature only meets for a certain period of time, constitutionally required to only meet for a certain period of time. And there's a lot of work that lawmakers have to get done. So when you get to those crunch times, like sometimes tempers really start to flare a little bit and there's lots of intense activity. And so it's really important to really try and keep a level head and to not get yourself too worked up and to take things too personally. It just, it requires sort of the practice and doing it, uh, but then also really telling yourself and reminding yourself um, each time that uh, you know, you're providing the information and you're just going to keep working at it, but it's okay to hear no. But then you can also really kind of identify, well, I heard that this was like a no because of this reason. Well, what if I provided this information? Or what if I had this farmer contact this legislator to try the issue um, from a different way? So you're always kind of looking at those different angles too. Who is your mentor? And describe your mentor relationship. That is a great question. Um, I would say that I have benefited throughout my career sort of having uh, several different mentors uh, working in a variety of different areas, sort of with, um, um, you know, my previous boss um, at my uh, organization where I worked directly before I came from Corn, uh, also was kind of a mentor in the way of really helping to kind of go deep and understand some of the intricacies around public policy development um, and really sort of like that whole practice of trying to look at things from a different angle and how you sort of go about trying to get people to yes um, from a variety of different angles. Um, and we still try and keep in contact uh, either through, you know, phone calls or uh, messages, but we also do try to have breakfast uh, maybe like once a quarter just to kind of maintain um, that relationship and we've become uh, personal friends. Uh, and then, you know, when I first was starting out in my career, uh, I actually spent some time with with more seasoned lobbyists uh, at the Capitol um, to kind of learn from them. I did some shadowing very early on, you know, just to spend kind of the day or a half day um, uh, working with them and kind of seeing how they interacted and kind of went about that whole process of, you know, building that relationship with various legislators representing their clients or their association uh, and then how they, you know, also, we're providing information and responding to requests for information because a lot of times, you know, what lobbying is really about is you are a resource uh, for those lawmakers um, and in your topic area or your issue area. So how you can uh, be providing uh, the right information, you know, bite-sized pieces or whatever level of detail that particular lawmaker really needs. Um, and then, you know, I also benefited early in my career, too, from having, or when I was in college, um, I had, you know, a college professor uh, of political science as well as uh, my other uh, degree 
degrees in environmental studies, um, and he was chair of the environmental studies department. And so we spent just a lot of time kind of talking about, you know, the background and the history of sort of our political system and uh, policy institutions. Um, and he unfortunately passed away a couple years ago, but up until he had passed away, we would uh, get together and I would actually uh, guest lecture for a few of his classes. Um, and then, you know, kind of was developing a mentor relationship with some of his students as well um, by having informal uh, conversations, whether it be, you know, over a cup of coffee or lunch um, or in a more formal setting where students might have been joining me um, at the Capitol or um, also kind of doing that shadow process that I did early on in my career that I benefited from. So trying to really uh, give back to students in that way as well. Amanda, what's the biggest lesson you've learned in farm policy? Probably the biggest lesson that I have learned um, as a lobbyist um, is uh, is to really the um, your integrity and your word is your most important commodity. And what is Important is that as you're developing those relationships and you're representing your association or your clients, to always be truthful. Um, because if there is an instance or if for some reason you, you know, provide, uh, either a wrong piece of information or you, uh, might, um, you know, maybe uh, not give the full truth or, you know, sort of even um, that that can really go against your reputation and your integrity. And uh, it is the trust that you build with lawmakers that helps you to be effective. And the quickest and easiest way to uh, destroy trust is uh, to not provide accurate information or to uh, not be honest or truthful. And so for anyone who is, you know, I think sometimes there's this perception out there that, you know, lobbyists, um, you know, kind of purposely sort of, uh, you know, don't tell the truth or, you know, try to play all these games uh, um, to get their way. Um, but the reality of the profession is, is that the best lobbyists um, have deep trust with lawmakers, uh, strong relationships, um, and that is because they are providing accurate information and being upfront um, uh, with the goals that their clients have or their association has. Um, and so that is what's really important. And then I would say, you know, in working in farm policy, uh, it's also very same, you know, because when we interact with farmers, that's also how you build trust uh, with farmers and with the farmers that you're helping to represent is, of course, you know, honesty and hard work and all of those wonderful values. Um, but also in, in working with, with farm policy, I would say in working with farmers, it's really important um, to always, I, you know, think of them um, and I think of a lot of our individual members sort of every day. And I carry that, you know, those individual stories, those individual relationships with me when I'm in talking to lawmakers so that I can kind of connect how an issue that I'm talking to them about um, could have or will have a direct impact on a particular farmer or a segment of farmers, um, because that is also a way that is really helpful in connecting uh, how the decisions that are made in St. Paul and Washington are going to have a direct impact on people's lives and livelihoods. What are some of the 
the things you're currently working on in the lobbying world um, for, for corn? What are some of the big key highlights here? And as we all know, there are lots of pressures and challenges and stressors um, in agriculture right now. Um, and so at the federal level, with some of the policy work that we're doing in particular, is of course around trade and trade agreements. Um, we were just out in D.C. Uh, in July with uh, the majority of our, our board members um, meeting with other uh, state associations with National Corn uh, through Corn Congress. But then we also did uh, visits to all of our members of our delegation. You know, the top of the list was really emphasizing the importance of getting USMCA, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement, ratified and passed by Congress so that that could be the replacement for NAFTA. Mexico is our number one market for corn from Minnesota, and then Canada is actually our top market uh, for uh, ethanol exports coming out of Minnesota. So that trade agreement is really important to uh, corn farmers in Minnesota. The other important piece that we were really emphasizing was talking about the Federal Renewable Fuel Standard and ethanol um, and the actions that have um, been happening with EPA in waiving uh, gallons uh, from the requirement that has been eroding the market for corn and for ethanol um, in our transportation fuel supply by the EPA granting these waivers. And then a few weeks ago, the EPA also you know, just granted another 31 waivers um, to refineries and oil companies. Um, in total, the EPA now has waived about 4 billion gallons um, from the Federal Renewable Fuel Standard requirement, and that's having a major impact um, on the industry, on the ethanol industry, and then um, directly on corn farmers by uh, reducing prices and reducing the value of that corn that's going into ethanol. So those are some of the most important things we're working on at the federal level. And as we're thinking about the next legislative session, you know, we're thinking about what are the things that Minnesota can do and how can Minnesota um, help to advance uh, ethanol and renewable fuel use in the state through new public policy, new requirements, new infrastructure to help provide access to consumers to use the fuel and help improve that market for corn uh, in Minnesota uh, by more uh, ethanol and renewable fuel use in the state. Amanda, is there anything else you'd like to say about your career? In my role and in my job, um, I do a couple of different things. There is sort of that direct lobbying component, but also working a lot with our members and our farmer leaders on our policy policy development process, our grassroots policy development process, kind of hearing about what are the issues that they're thinking about and the issues that are important to them and that can be kind of coming up through our counties and then adopted each year um, at our annual meeting that help to formulate our policy positions as an association. Um, and then a lot of it, too, is really strengthening and working uh, in partnership with our fellow uh, agriculture groups uh, so that we can be effective both in Minnesota as well as at the federal level as there are fewer and fewer people that are connected to agriculture and farming but are making decisions every day um, in either Washington or in St. Paul that will directly impact farmers. Once again, we've been visiting with Minnesota Corn Growers Association's Amanda Billick. Engage, a series for women in agribusiness, is sponsored by Ag Country Farm Credit Services, the North Dakota Grain Growers Association, and Corteva AgriScience. Listen to all three seasons of Engage at rrfn.com. Apple Podcasts and Google Play.